0: So hi, if, um, my name's Steve. It's great to be with you this evening. I'm part of the leadership team at, um, at Crawley Community Church, as Kaz said earlier. If, if you're with us now on Zoom with the church family um, or watching, I know there are some over on Facebook right now and others that will be um, with us on, on YouTube and Facebook through the rest of this week, it seems that hundreds join us that way and, and, uh, and check in at some point. So hey, God bless you. Uh, Thank you for connecting in with us. And we've been praying for you, whether you're with us right now or whether it's some point later in the future. We're praying that the Holy Spirit will be speaking to your heart um, and that Jesus will be uh, very real uh, to you. Um, As Cassie said, we just got a shorter meeting tonight um, because we've got a coaching session uh, in a little while with some leaders. Shorter, but no less valuable and important. And uh, so I just want to ask you to uh, follow with me in some scriptures for uh, a few minutes uh, and then we'll pray together. We've been looking um, in our meetings morning and evening at at this uh, short uh, series, Knowing God by Name, looking at some of the Old Testament uh, names of God that reveal God's character to us and point us to Jesus Christ. So over the last few Sundays, we've looked at um, the names of God, God, our banner, our banner, Um, God uh, our our healer, uh, the God of heaven's armies. Uh, Ken this morning opened up so helpfully. Uh, God um, Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. Uh, And tonight I just want to start with a a, a little story in Genesis chapter 16 right at the beginning of our Bibles uh, that teaches us about uh, El Roy. Uh, Sounds Spanish uh, but it's a Hebrew phrase Uh, And I probably not pronounced it well, whether it's Spanish or Hebrew, uh, but what it reveals to us is that he is the God who sees. Uh, Let me just pray for a moment. Lord, we thank you that we've come to you tonight to worship our Jesus, our Savior. We've declared together there is no one like you. And we just invite you now um, as we open your word. we, we, We pray in these next few minutes you would speak into every heart. Lord, whether it's believers here in the church family who've been following you for a while and know you so well and just want to be strengthened and encouraged in their walk with you. Or whether it's those perhaps who are looking and watching and listening but don't yet know you. Holy Spirit, would you speak into every heart and would you make God known as the God who sees us and wants to know us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So um, Genesis 16, we have this uh, amazing story um, Abraham and Sarah are a, a couple in by this time in their late 80s, uh, would you believe it? And God has promised them a child. He said uh, that from this child there will be a multitude of descendants. That that the line of the people of God will come um, through their offspring. And yet they've still not had this child in their old age. Um, I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I think we're all a little bit like Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 16. Um, God's made them a promise but they've just about given up on waiting for God's timing. And so they do that terrible thing that we all do. And they say, hey, God, you've had your turn. I'm going to try and sort this out and fix it myself now, if you don't mind very much. I'm going to take this back into my own hands. That's exactly what Abraham and Sarah do. They come up with their own solution. Maybe it seemed wise to them in the moment. At Sarah's suggestion, um, Abraham agrees to sleep with uh, Sarah's maid servant, a lady called Hagar, um, and so Abraham does, and Hagar gets pregnant straight away. It looks like, and of course Sarah then begins to resent and even to abuse her servant Hagar. Sarah now blames Abraham. It's a it's a crazy story. If you want to learn how not to do relationships uh, within a marriage, never mind taking a concubine, um, and that's a top tip number one. If you're making notes this evening. Uh, but top tip number two, if you want to learn something about relationships, then uh, to not how, to, how not to do it, then take a look at Genesis 16. So it had been Sarah's suggestion, first of all. Now Sarah says to Abraham uh, that, uh, that it was all his idea. And, uh, and um, of course, Abraham abdicates all responsibility. He says to Sarah, I'll oh, just do whatever you feel you should do. Hagar, of course, the poor lady who's caught in the middle, She's not able to face uh, Sarah's abuse any longer, and she flees uh, from their home. The angel of the Lord finds her. She's in the desert. Uh, she's waiting by a spring. Uh, she probably wouldn't have survived for long. And the angel commands Hagar to go back to her mistress and master, Sarah and Abraham, to submit to them. And he makes her a promise regarding her future descendants through the son that she's had. Ishmael. These angel of the Lord moments in the Old Testament are often uh, appearances of Jesus before the Gospels. Um, in verse 13, Hagar says it was the Lord himself who spoke to her. And uh, when the angel of the Lord speaks in this passage and in some of the other encounters in the Old Testament, he speaks in the, in the first person, uh, as though God's speaking, not as, as though it's a messenger from heaven. So this is just one little snapshot of a story of many that are contained in the bible but if you're with us tonight or listening later in the week just listen carefully now take note of the gospel the good news that's for us in this story hagar was abandoned hagar was put out she was alone she was far from home she was dying in the desert but god himself saw her god himself came to her god gave her a new direction he lifted. Her up. He gave her new life and purpose through this encounter. And so in this story, uh, verse 13 of Genesis 16, she says, uh, El Roy, uh, the God who sees me. She says, I have now seen the one, capital O, the one. I have now seen the one who sees me. She sees a God who is aware of his need, of of our need for him. She sees a God, uh, just as we can see a God who has seen our tears in the night. A God who's heard our heart cry, a God who knows the fear that's in our heart, whatever facade we put on the outside, a God who knows the real you. He's the God who sees us, he's the God who hears us, he's the God who comes to us, he's the God who opens our eyes and enables us to see him, and opens our hearts and enables us to know him. He's the God who looks after us, he comes to us. And so, like Hagar who says, I've seen the one who sees me, we can now look to Jesus. And say, I have now seen the one who sees me and knows my heart. There are some other beautiful passages in the, in the scriptures. Psalm 33, uh, verse 13 onwards tells us, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind from his dwelling place. He watches all who live on the earth. He's the God who sees. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. They're keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Wherever you would place yourself on that scale of wicked to good tonight, the scriptures say that the eyes of the Lord are on you right now. In fact, there's some remarkable picture language at the end of the the Bible story in Revelation 1 and Revelation 4 that describes um, God himself with burning, blazing eyes and these incredible living creatures that are in the throne room of heaven right now that are are covered in eyes. Uh, And uh, they, they show us something that's going on day, and night, day after day, year after year, these living creatures covered in eyes, always looking, always seeing, never stopping and wanting to reflect our lives and our situations before God in order to get his attention. I think Ken said this morning as he was looking at God, uh, our God of peace, this is not a God who is distant and disinterested in our cause and our needs. If you wanted any proof of that, the story of Hagar is a good one. He's a God who watches and sees and knows but then responds to the need. I love the way Psalm 139 puts it in the first few verses. Oh Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely, oh Lord. This is the God who sees. This is the God who knows. And this is the God who comes to us. And so this, this, the narrative of the Bible, every story in the Bible, ultimately it, it leads us, it plots a course to Jesus Christ himself, whether it's the story of Hagar we began with tonight, whether it's those beautiful words in Psalm 139, they're all a signpost to Jesus, to the God who sees us, to this ultimate revelation of God as the one who came, the one who came to open our eyes, to see him and know him. So John, in John chapter one of his gospel, who was with Jesus, was able to say, "We have seen him. We've seen the glory of the one and only, speaking of Jesus Christ." Uh, and of course, that was how humanity began, right in the very beginning in Genesis chapter one, at creation in the Garden of Eden, it, um, Adam and Eve were with the God, who sees, it says, uh, yeah, b- before sin came into the world in the, in the evening, probably about this time, the cool of the evening, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked in perfect fellowship perfect friendship a a, a naked transparency no sin no shame with the god who sees who knew everything about them and and they saw him face to face and then of course after their sin and their rebellion adam and eve hid away from god um, in their guilt and their shame over their sin and he was the god who found them and saw them he came looking for them Uh, He's the God who sees everything remember so he knew where Adam was hiding but even so in the text he says Adam Where are you? Even though he knows where Adam is he comes to them He covers their sin and their shame he covers their nakedness and the story of the Bible from Adam and Eve to Hagar to us today is a story of a God who has come down to a sin spoiled guilty hiding people he's come close He's come to open our eyes. He's come to reveal himself to us because he sees and he knows the condition of our hearts. Wow, Jesus has come. He sees. He opens our eyes to see him and know him. Just quickly, I've I've got some encounters with people in the gospel stories. uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the the kind of narrative accounts of the life and times of Jesus in the New Testament. There are a number of passages through the gospels that begin with the line, Jesus saw. Uh, you may want to look some of those up yourself. There are loads of them. It seems that whenever Jesus sees something in the scriptures, it triggers his compassion, his action. And our hearts and eyes get opened more and more to who he really is. Let me just give you quickly seven encounters with the seeing Savior. And that's not easy to say on Sunday at six. Seven encounters with the seeing Savior. John 1:38. Jesus saw, it says, three men. Uh, following him, he asked them, What do you want? and he invited them to come with him so that they themselves will see. Those three men turned out to be three of Jesus' closest disciples. Jesus is the God who sees and the God who opens our eyes. John 1 47, not long after that, Jesus sees a man called Nathaniel who's waiting, resting under in the shade of a tree. And Jesus, it says, he saw him and he prophesied over him, gave him a new call to be his disciple. He's the God who sees us and calls us out. John 5, 6, it says, Jesus saw a disabled man and he learned that he'd been in that condition a long time. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And of course, Jesus raised him up. He is the God who sees and the God who heals. In John 6, 5, it says, when Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming towards him. In the text it tells us later there were five thousand men plus women and children who were hungry uh, and had no food he's the god who sees who miraculously provides for our needs he, the god who even knows the need and the, the food that we need on our tables right now and the finance we need in our bank accounts john 11:33, 33 uh, jesus is coming to the house of his friend lazarus who has just died and he meets lazarus his two sisters his dear friends mary and Martha and the verse says, When Jesus saw her weeping, coming to the tomb of his friends, seeing their mourning. He's the God who sees, he's the God who weeps with us. If you're mourning tonight, if you're in grief tonight, oh the God who sees weeps with you, and he's the God who will one day wipe away every tear from our eyes. John nineteen twenty-six, the last one. Uh, for tonight when uh, jesus is on the cross and it says when jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved even on the cross he's the god who sees he sees broken distressed families he sees broken hearts and he provides care and comfort hey friends whichever way we look at jesus He's the God who sees. He's the God who knows whatever you're projecting on the outside, whatever image you're giving to the world. He's the God who looks right into our hearts. He knows our deepest need to have a true heart encounter with him. So what started perfectly in the garden with Adam and Eve is now being restored in Jesus Christ, the God who sees. The God has never stopped looking. He's always been searching us out in his love and his compassion. And finally one day soon the scriptures say that Jesus himself is coming back in the clouds and every eye will see him um, and we'll see him face to face and we'll know him and we'll be fully known and nothing will be hidden and every tear will be wiped away and a true clear vision will be restored between God and the people that he's made for a relationship with himself. Hey friends I'm here to tell you tonight that relationship can start today uh, on a sunday evening or whenever you're watching this later on there's a beautiful story again about jesus seeing says when he was dying on the cross uh he that there was a, a thief next to jesus who was being justly punished under roman law at least uh for his uh for his crimes it says the thief looked at jesus and jesus looked at him and said today you'll be with me in paradise I'm just asking you tonight, will you look to Jesus with me? Will you open your eyes to the God who sees? Will you come to Jesus knowing that he sees into your heart right now? That story we began with in Genesis Genesis 16 with Hagar, her declaration was, I have now seen the one who sees me. And that was enough. It changed her life, changed her destiny, changed the destiny of, of those that came after her in her family line what about you what about me tonight just going to ask you to pray with me now and uh, perhaps if you're live with me you might just want to close your eyes and focus your attention for a moment in particular maybe those who don't yet know Jesus and are seeing him for the first time I'm just going to pray this prayer you may want to pray along with me even say some things out loud uh, with me in your home wherever you are right now Lord Jesus we see you Jesus I look to you Jesus, I look at these encounters and I see myself in your story. Jesus, I see you on the cross bearing my sin and my shame. Jesus, I open my eyes to you. Jesus, I open my heart to you. Jesus, thank you for opening your heart to me. Will you lead me forward from tonight? Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for bringing me into this promise of truly living and being known by a God who really does know everything about me thank you for this future promise of one day seeing clearly one day knowing fully one day coming face to face in a restored relationship with you tonight I step into that by coming to you Jesus amen amen Wow if, if you've prayed that prayer tonight with me for the first time or expressed uh, those words from your heart for the first time tonight Um, I think you've become a follower of Jesus. We'd love to keep in touch with you and help you take your next steps and grow strong in that. Please uh, message us, hello at lovecrawley.co.uk or on any of our social media uh, channels. Uh, We'd love to know you prayed that prayer. We really want to help you. And perhaps for the rest of us who are followers of Jesus, let's just finish our prayer together. Lord, we saw in those encounters in the Gospels that you seem to see and know all of our needs. And maybe some of you who are with me now are just very acutely aware of some big needs around your life or those you care about, those you're praying for. Lord, the scriptures say that even before a word is on our tongue, you know it. So you know already about the things that are heavy on our hearts tonight. God, you see our need for healing in our lives or in our friends. You know our need of provision for food and finance. You know our desperate need for direction and light. Lord, you, you see into the hearts of those that are grieving and broken right now and need your comforts. Lord, those that are confused or distressed, those who are feeling far from loving friendship. Lord, you, you, you see those of us who just feel brokenhearted about the town and the nation right now, or even those around the world who are in such hardship. Lord, you, you've you heard our cry and our need for wisdom and creativity. And, and for those who've, who've, who've put so much energy over the years into their businesses and have just seen them close down almost overnight. Lord, you've seen their cry to say, God, is there a way of this growing again? Lord, you see it, you know it, nothing's been missed by you. And so Jesus, we just declare our need for you and we thank you as we cry to you. These stories tell us you're the God that sees, the God that hears, the God that turns, the God that comes to us, and the God that speaks life and hope and new direction. Will you just release that now into every heart that's praying these prayers tonight as as we lift up our situations to you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.